I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. So it is shit. It's it's April. Uh, it's April. I made it. We made it. I'm so excited to catch y'all up on everything that's been happening. I am in my new apartment. So if you hear a bit of an echo, it's because this shit is empty. <laughs> um, I have really taken you know, this year and a lot of last year to prepare me for this move. Um, when I, we moved back to LA, we've been staying in this really incredible um, sublet, like a friend of a friend. And that place really became home in a lot of ways to us and was, I think, just almost like a healing incubator of sorts, a real big like hug and cuddle Um that allowed me to ease us back into life in LA and really creating sustainability. Is that the word? Not sustainability. Yeah, creating a sustainable life for Sergeant and I. Um, so I talked to this psychic, right? Uh, who was like highly recommended from a friend and was really incredible. And she, the first thing she said was like, there's a huge move. All right, all right. I know that sounds a little like, of course, there's a huge move. But yes, she said there was a huge move and essentially that the world would be at my oyster, which is, I think, just the words of affirmation that I needed to help me flow through this process. Because when I tell y'all finding this home, I had to really jump through some hoops. I had jumped through some hoops. I hope my landlord I hope my landlord doesn't listen to this, but you know, I definitely had to jump through hoops and definitely had to do some very slight finessing to make sure that I secured the place that is rightfully ours. Um, but I, I, I noticed that, you know, just in the process, how I was perceived, you know, people doing kind of like, uh, what are those things called? Micro, duh, microaggressions. It was like, wait, what do you say you do again? Where do you live again? And questions that you know aren't being asked to people who don't look like me or um, have the same circumstance that I do. So, but, you know, I found a place that really, as soon as I walked in, you know that feeling where you're like, oh, this feels like my home. You can immediately just like see all your stuff in the place. And that's how I felt when I walked into our new home. So I was like, if you want something bad enough, you'll get it no matter what you have to do to secure it. And that's what we did. So the spot is secured and it is the first holiday in our home, which ended up being Easter Sunday. And, you know, I have a I actually do have a lot of memories around Easter, although it's not necessarily a holiday I, I consider until it's like the day before. Um, you know, I was talking to Elle, Cool Mom's producer, and Easter is her absolute favorite holiday, and, like, period. <laughs> and she does this really awesome programming on her channel for uh, Wild Child NYC on Locally Grown TV. Make sure y'all check it out. But every Easter, um, she does this Easter Sunday, Sunday service. 
sunrise service. I think so. And <laughs> and we were in my place, you know, just came from the grocery store. I'm like doing some like home improvement getting like getting back into my dyke bag and pulling out my tools and my screws and my hammer and like changing knobs on cabinets and just, you know, doing the small things that make you feel like home. And Elle is streaming her sun sunrise service and we're both just kikiing and singing along to gospel music and songs that I haven't heard in a long time. But you know, when they come on, all of a sudden you're singing the chorus and you're just like, whoa. This is exactly what I needed and I didn't even realize it and how grateful, grateful I am to have space to hold space for community and cultivate community because this is the, you know, my people are the only reason why I'm even still here and thriving in the way that I am because of the way that um, the people around me really lift me up and support me. It's like, listen, if you don't got people around you that are just hyped to see you because you exist, you got the wrong people around you. And so today has just been one of those days where, you know, we're singing, we're laughing. Both of us are going through so many big life transitions um, and great, great new changes. So it was nice to like get back together on such a special day. And it was like, shit, let's record Cool Moms. We got to get this done. I miss y'all. I miss my Cool Moms virtual community. And I'm so excited in the same way that, you know, spirit and the universe has blessed me to create space in my home for my community um, and my close family. Uh, I'm excited to be expanding Cool Moms to hold space for more of y'all and more of our stories and to cultivate a genuine, um, real like connective tissue between all of us, which is, you know, obviously motherhood and also ourselves. So yeah, today has just been so uh, amazing and I, I'm, I'm hype. We're roasting carrots, you know, we're doing the things, we're dying eggs. I cannot escape the fact that some things, you know, it's, it's as much as I love to be an old new age, I think I know everything and do everything my way. There's something really special about tradition um, and the small things that remind us of who we once were and um, where we're going. Something that is also, I don't know if this is changing or what, but you know, mama is back out here. The sun is out, fun is out, and I am still dating y'all. Um, I got off the apps, deleted all the apps. The apps were really bringing me down like really bringing me down. And there was one guy in particular that I don't know what app was. It doesn't matter. They're not sponsoring this, but there was one app in particular. I found one guy that I thought, you know what? In real life, if I saw this guy, I would be so attracted to him. You know, all the little like nuance cultural signifiers that say, Hey girl, I'm your type, you know, like workwear, <laughs> pictures in nature. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, yeah, he's my type. He's cute. He's brown. That's me. That's me. So we were texting back in September. We seem to have like a pretty good rapport talking about books and this and that and all the things. Uh, always text though. Always text. And I would send voice notes. He would never voice note back. You know, friends convinced me men don't voice note. 
don't know about that. But maybe they don't voice note. Anyways, he never did. So we spoke for like maybe a week. I'm waiting for him to take the initiative to ask me out on a date. Our last text is me saying, cool, just hit me over the weekend. Six months later. <laughs> Six months later, I'm in my new place trying to figure out how to put my duvet cover on and I get a text and my phone is like, maybe, you know, the guy's name. I was going to make up a name, but maybe it's him. So I'm like, oh shit. And it's just like, hey, Elise, how's it going? How are you? I'm like, six months later, I'm still single. So I'm like, hey, wow, that was a really long weekend. <laughs> Trying to be cool. <laughs> but also like, <laughs> I'm still available. Um, and, you know, I'm like, all right, listen, you're back on my line six months later. What's up? He's like, I know I really hated online dating. I'm like, I get it. Do you want to meet in person? He's like, yeah, of course. Okay, great. Because, you know, it's Aries season. I'm getting to it. I'm getting in the house. I'm getting the man. I'm getting the things. I get what I want. Okay, very Meg the Stallion. If I want it, I'm going to get it. So I'm like, all right, we end up setting up this day. I end up setting up this day to go to this cute wine bar. And, you know, I'm kind of... I set up this date to go to this cute wine bar. She was to go Friday at six. I'm like, okay, great. I'm waiting, you know, throughout the week for the, you know, the cute back and forth. Again, y'all, we have not spoken on the phone. He'll hit me up. But the conversations were just falling really flat. And finally, it's the night before we're supposed to meet up. He hits me up at like 10, like, hey, how's it going? How was your day? You know, I'm giving layers. I'm giving texture. I'm giving, you know, I'm exhausted. I moved into this new place, but I thought I did this thing. I'm giving, you know, bait to catch to continue the conversation. And this guy is catching no bait. And before, you know, my people who are like, hey, some people aren't good texters. This guy also said that he was a writer. So I'm just feeling like there's no excuse. You can write, you can text. And he's like, yeah, you know, my day job, I'm so tired, LOL. I'm like, okay, cool. So I respond and say, yeah, I feel you. I don't like working either. Uh, what's your job like? He responds, yeah, my day job, I'm so tired, LOL. At this point, I'm feeling like he is a bot. I am weirded out. We've never spoken on the phone. I'm stressed. And all the signs are pointing to, girl, run, don't go on this date. I felt like I was either going to get stood up or he was like going to show up and be my ex that I'm avoiding. And so I just decided that I was going to cancel the date. So now it's the day of the date. I text him like, hey, you know what? I've been really tired from my move. Uh, and if we go out tonight, I just won't be myself. I would love to reschedule. You know, this guy never texts me back. And I immediately, once I realized that blocked him. So uh, needless to say, uh, I'm still out here looking <laughs> to have fun. And there will be uh, hopefully some better stories in the near future on the next episode of Cool Moms. Up next, Gina Kim. I'm so excited to be talking to this next person as I really just understood the importance, honestly, probably this past year of beauty and skincare 
and how much uh, that was going to play an important role in getting me through 2020. Uh, so I'm really excited to welcome Gina Kim, who is the co-founder and CEO of Circumference. Welcome to Cool Moms, Gina. Thanks for having me. This is great. Okay, so Gina, um, the most important question that I'm going to ask you today <laughs> is what is your astrological sign and does that mean anything to you? Um, yeah, I, I recently found out what a moon sign was and how that means that it reflects some of your internal traits more so than the outward uh, facing traits. So that's kind of exciting. Um, doing a lot of Googling, trying to figure out what um, Pisces are like. That's all new to me. Um, so it's so it's kind of fun. Yes, I love that. I love that so much because, you know, when you get into your signs, but also planetary placements and houses and all of the kooky things about astrology, it's just like a more well-rounded snapshot of who you are versus relying on just your sun sign, which is a small aspect of your personality. And that moon sign is important. That's like how you emotionally process. It's who you are at your core. So at your core you're like at home in your safe space, you're a Pisces, which is awesome because it means you're a creator, which totally makes sense as to how you, how and why maybe you birthed this brand. Um, that's so interesting because when I was looking into it, it feels so opposite of what a Leo is, which I guess that's the the sun sign, the outward facing. So um, really interesting stuff. It makes me almost want to like go to a professional and, <laughs> and learn some more. Yes, go to a listen. I'm I am working diligently to get an astrologer mom on Cool Moms. Like it's gonna happen very soon. Um, so I am really interested to learn about. You know, you're Korean American, and <laughs> I think a lot of what we know from, I guess, an American and North American perspective about Korea. One of the things. Um, that's huge in Korean culture, obviously, is skincare. So I would love to kind of know what was your relationship like with skincare growing up and how has being Korean impacted your sensibilities around skincare? Yeah, um, and that's completely true. Growing up, skincare it was a huge part of our daily life. And what's so interesting is with the emergence of K-beauty um, recently, you know, it seems like this huge trend, this really big fad, but growing up, um, it was just like a normal part of your life. We never really talked about skincare being special or a thing. It just felt like a daily part of, um, like you brush your teeth, you wash your face, and then these are the products that you use. Um, it just felt like a daily ritual. And um, my mom, my grandma, we actually lived with my grandma for a little bit growing up, um, really close to all my aunts, all my cousins. So whenever we got together, you know, I was always talking about skincare. Um, <laughs> But it, it just always felt like a part of our culture. Um, and it wasn't like all these crazy new products or fads. It was almost um, going through the history of it. Uh, so like one thing that was so fun, it was a special treat in the summer when we would visit Korea. But we would do things like use these traditional flower petals to to make nail polish. Like you would wrap it on your finger. Ooh. And as a kid, it's like, whoa, like I, I have nail polish on. It felt cool. Um learning about the benefits of rinsing your face with, with rice water, things like that. So it wasn't this fancy um, K-beauty that's, that's happening now. It just felt more like a daily ritual and, and really rooted in the history. I love that so much because I think that 
something that can plague. I don't know if this is a millennial thing or what, but Mm -hmm. we think that everything is new and we think that we have to be so innovative and create (laughs) all of these new ideas. But really, you know, for me, I found that some of my most successful ideas are when you really take a nod from the past and figure Mm -hmm. out how to apply um, tried and true methods to new age problems. Uh, And so I think that's super cool that you have that foundation of Korean skincare. And then you brought up rice water, Mm -hmm. which I'm excited to know like what that did for what that does for skin, because rice water is something that's just now really peaking in like black hair care. Um, Yeah, it's it's a thing now um, amongst black women that like you wash your hair in rice water and it's supposed to be so much more moisturizing and uh, ultimately result in like super great hair growth. I haven't done it yet, but I'm I'm curious. So I would love to know a little bit more about that rice water hack. Um, I mean, that makes complete sense. So for skin, um, if we, you know, in the summer running around outside, if we got a sunburnt um, or even in the winter when we were super dry, my my grandma would always be, you know, giving giving me rice water, just like she would hand me a bowl of rice water, which felt so weird at the time, but um, it would really help soothe. So if you had a sunburn or really dry skin, um, it would just help soothe, um, get rid of the redness and just heal a little bit. Mm, okay okay that makes that makes total sense and so now you've you've got this like wealth of generational knowledge when it comes to skincare um but you found yourself studying physiology in school yep Mm -hmm. where where did you (laughs) right where did you see like had dots started connecting then or where did you see your trajectory going at that point in your life no, um, so back then I, I didn't see it at all. So I always knew at a personal level, I loved all things beauty, all things skincare, um, but I did love science growing up. And it sounds so dorky and it feels, it almost feels so Asian, right? Like you want to grow up <laughs> aspire to be a doctor or a dentist, but I really did love science so much. So um, even from from high school, I had a passion for biology. I got to college and I studied um, physiology, biochem, all that stuff. And then um, after college, you know, a lot of my friends were going off to med school, to dental school, going into research, to the sciences. And I just realized at that moment that that's not where I saw myself long term. Um, I had been so logical for so long. Um, stuck in this lane of science, but I I realized I really wanted to explore my creativity, the arts, um, finding the beauty and and branding and design, things like that. And that's that's where um, my career path took a little bit of a a detour there. And so you took a bit of a detour. Where did you end up after school? So um, after school, I, I wanted to explore that, that part of um, myself a little bit more. So I, I became a creative producer for a little bit, um, working on some more uh, creative branding projects, campaigns, things like that. And then I actually um, joined the small team at the time at Girlfriend Collective and was part of the initial launch team there. So there I really learned about sustainable practices, saw the impact it had. Um, what was really exciting at the time was seeing the consumer response. Like people were just hungry for this transparency, wanting to know where your materials came from, wanting to know what the process was really like behind closed doors. 
And um, that really opened my eyes to sustainable practices. And then um, I revisited my love of skincare and all things beauty. And that's where the two realms melded a little bit and circumference was born. You know, I'm so I'm so excited uh, that you brought up some of the brand work that you've done, because I think that's such a a story that will resonate. I mean, it resonates with me <laughs> and I think so many other um, entrepreneurs who ha- are starting their own business, but are very much informed by the the work that we do building other brands. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like I have a a permalance, we'll call it a permalance position working for a creative agency, doing content strategy and and brand identity. And Mm -hmm. it has taught me a tremendous, like invaluable information, not just about uh, market research and insights and what consumers are looking for, but really the ins and outs of the psychology of building a business. And, (laughs) you know, I think half of it is about knowing what the hell you're doing. The other half is like knowing people. Um, What's a a lesson, one of the greatest lessons you pulled away um, and working to build other brands that you applied to circumference? I really think the biggest lesson was um, knowing your brand, your vision, um, what those guardrails are and staying true to it, not being swayed or distracted. Like in this day and age, I feel like we're so distracted. There's new brands coming up every day. Um, you know, social media, you're getting so much bombarded at you, um, with ads, with your feed, whatnot. So, um, I guess in my experience, uh, working at creative agencies, as well as building up circumference is just knowing who you are at your core, what your brand stands for, who your demographic is and staying true to that. And I think it does pay off in the end. Absolutely. This is legit a conversation I was having right before this phone call, actually working on some brand Mm -hmm. identity, uh, work with another brand. Um, something that really stood out about circumference are, are like your three pillars on sustainability. We're talking environmental, social, and economical. Can you speak a little bit to those three? And yeah, what that uh, I think for, for our sustainable ethos, um, we really felt that sustainability came from all those factors, not just, you know, recycling or, you know, where, where you get your products. Um, it's so important to give back to the communities, um, we, we partner and work with a lot of small producers and farmers, and we're really seeing the impact of, you know, partnering with them gives back to their community, um, whether it's monetary or whether it's more business or more introductions. Um, we truly feel that being sustainable doesn't just mean the packaging or where specific ingredients coming from. It's, it's really all those pillars. Yeah, I love that because I think that, you know, there's so many buzzwords and now we're at an age where so many of us are privy to and have access to a lot of information about any and everything, good, bad or otherwise. And those buzzwords like sustainability are an easy sell for a lot, but consumers are a lot smarter now. We want to know not just that the packaging is recyclable, but also, um, yeah, what opportunities are you creating? Who's on your team? you know, who, who is benefiting behind the scenes? Um, someone that I know that is on your team is your husband, <laughs> right? Yep. So you're not the first person, 
but and I'm sure not the last that has worked with your partner in business and in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm always so fascinated by those stories. So I would love to know <laughs> kind of how that that first conversation went when you all decided you were going to go into business together. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I have been together for ever. We're like the typical old married couple. Um, we met in college. Um, he was actually friends with, with my roommate. So I got introduced to him through her. We were friends for a couple years first before we started dating. Um, but because we got together so young in college, I feel like we, we got to grow together or grow up together, if that makes sense. Um, we went through like all the different personality shifts, like growing into adults. So we have a pretty strong core, but, you know, working together, that's a whole other story than just. Okay. So um, he, he has a great background in um, helping develop startups and he's been tangentially connected to the beauty industry. Um, he was part of a creating a video series called 100 Years of Beauty. And he's also consulted for, for Vogue, for Condé Nast. So he, he kind of knew um, some of the, the aspects of beauty and media and all of that good stuff. So when, when we talked about circumference and really creating this new brand into something real, we realized we both had a good mix of skills and backgrounds to make it happen. So we jumped right in. But in the beginning, it did take some time to really work through our working styles, um, especially if we did not align on something when it came to the business. We had to really take a step back and make sure we weren't wearing our like wife and husband hats and, and getting personal and bringing in other things. But how? Oh, my gosh. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm a petty person, but I try, <laughs> you know, I work with one of my great friends here on Cool Moms and it has, we are not a couple, but man, we can surely fight like one. Um, <laughs> and so th- that's <laughs> how, how do you, how have you been able to check yourself? What kind of like muscles have you built in being able to have a certain level of self-awareness to know, oh, I'm being Gina the wife right now and not Gina the business partner? I have to definitely rely on straight logic when it comes to some of this stuff. Like (laughs) if we have a disagreement about a business decision, I really have to remind myself, like, is this my personal feelings coming into play? Like, let me create a list. Um, I've been doing a lot of pros and cons, benefits, benefits types lists um, about the decision itself. Like what are the pros? What are the cons? Let me just look at this black and white and and see what's best for circumference, what's best for the business. Even if I personally think that another path is the right way, um, just trying to come to terms with it that way. I love that. I I love that because I think there's, there's obviously a very antiquated idea that um, women are emotional in business, but Mm -hmm. People are emotional as we all know. <laughs> and it's such a skill to really hone in on that logic and reason when it comes to decision making, which is hard because businesses and brands are your baby, right? Mm-hmm. Very much your baby and you very much have like a personal emotional connection to it. Um, how has the pandemic changed how you all approach work, if at all? Yeah, Um it's definitely changed quite a bit. I mean, we're we're at home quarantined together 24 seven. Um, we're, we're not really going out to the office. We're not really going out to meet people. Everything's virtual. 
So we definitely had to feel out like physically being at the same desk or physically being in the room all day. Like how does that affect us mentally, emotionally? Um, are we being more productive, less productive? And then of course we have, we have a two year old miles. Um, and, and he was home with us, uh, for quite a bit in the beginning before he started school up again. So that was another, another new change to, to get used to. Listen, I just read a statistic um, that was like a working mother is typically has like three minutes and 24 seconds of uninterrupted work. Uh, and every three minutes and 24 seconds has a child that is coming to ask for something, yell yeah. about something, mm -hmm. throw something while you're on the Zoom call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that number um, is disproportionately high, of course, for like black and brown women. So what <laughs> I think, you know, being in business for yourself is incredible, but also like the veil has been lifted. What are some of the specific challenges that you faced being a mother who's also a business owner and yeah. working from home? Oh, for sure. Um, I think what was hard for me in the beginning was um, external expectations. You know, I'm working from home. Miles is with me 24 seven. And like you mentioned, like he needs something. He wants me. I'm around. So he wants to come hug me to play. He wants me to be engaged. And um, in the beginning, it was really hard setting those external boundaries with coworkers or um, clients or partners, you know, um, having to let them know like, okay, my kid's hanging out with us on the Zoom. You know, he's just going to be in my lap playing or um, I can't, you know, I can't hop online from this time to this time because it's, it's time for dinner for miles or bath time. So setting those boundaries and expectations was a little bit difficult in the beginning. Um, and also the guilt. Oh man. Like once oh, man. quarantine started, that like mom guilt, being a working woman guilt, like that was also something huge that I had to wade through. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. I Our kids are similar in age. Sergeant is two, he'll be three in January. And I I work a day job, like I said. Um, so I feel very fortunate that at least my day job is centered around parenting. Um, it's with a brand that's around parenting. So almost everyone is a parent. We all get interrupted on calls. And I know that's such a privileged place to be in that there's a work environment that supports your home life. Um, but I know that's not the case for everyone. Had you, was there ever a point where you felt like I don't, something has to give? I don't know if being a wife and a mother and having a day job and having a successful business are all going to fit into my life right now. Yeah, um, it definitely was so overwhelming in the beginning. I felt like I wasn't giving enough to this path of my life or this lane or this lane. And everything just felt so overwhelming. There was so much to get through in a day and being at home constantly um, with the pandemic, it really amplified that. So I really did. I think the boundaries is what helped like with, with coworkers, um, with our partners, you know, I had to let them know like this time to this time, I cannot hop online. Like I'm, I'm putting my child to bed. This is our time to spend together. Um, and just really making that clear at first I was nervous. Like how would that be receptive? Recepted, um, but but people were very open to it. I think everyone understands. Everyone's in the same boat. 
with this working from home virtual life. So that definitely um, helped a lot. And also it was just the expectations I had on myself as a mother um, before, you know, it was like no screen time at all. Like he's not going to do that. And then, right. you know, <laughs> he watch a 15 minute cartoon and, and that'll help me give myself some time to sit down and, you know, either give, have time for myself or have time to send out a, a few emails. Um, so definitely coming to terms with expectations, not only for myself, but for, for others. A hundred percent. And something that I have learned and have seen a huge difference uh, just in terms of parenting style between millennials and like Gen Z parents mm -hmm. uh, are that we, I think, as millennials really value and take into consideration optics mm -hmm. and how will this look? How will this be received? What will people think? Um, and really wanting to present as perfect parents, quite frankly. Yeah. And like, we all know that that's just not true and absolutely impossible. And something that I have really taken away uh, from a younger generation of parents is that like, is my child happy and safe? Then everything mm -hmm. is okay. So if Sergeant watched TV for two and a half hours today, it's gonna be fine. You it's know, fine. it's going yeah. to be fine. But we've got to have, I think, so much more transparency, especially amongst millennial parents, um, that it's not always about arts and crafts. It's not always a walk outside. It's not always a healthy breakfast. Some like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this morning, this morning, Gina, I got up. This is like my slight rant, but I got up. I had already had been up the day before since 2 a.m. working for my job job and then having to do cool mom's work and then doing mm -hmm. artwork, doing all the things. I'm, I'm exhausted. I got up and I was like, oh, my God, I never packed your lunch. I never did anything. I think I just passed out. <laughs> and I was like, everything's frozen today. I threw a bunch of frozen stuff in the oven. I threw some berries in that lunch. We were the, probably the last people to roll up at school. It's fine. I was like, I got to get home. I need to record cool mom's. And we have to like get into our space, um, which kind of leads me into, again, a very buzzy conversation, but a really notable one, which is about self-care um, mm -hmm. and working in the beauty industry. It is impossible to escape the conversation of self-care, but I think it's also important to talk about what does that look like an ideal scenario? Um, and I would love to know your thoughts on this, but then also what does that look like um, on a practical life's been a little bit shit today. Yeah. <laughs> How do you take care of yourself? Yeah, um, no, self-care, that's been a huge topic amongst me and my friends, even with me and my husband, Chris. Um, we get so caught up in this rat, rat race of life of like just going and going and not taking a breather. And I don't know if it's our generation, but it almost feels like people take pride in being so busy, so sleep deprived, you know? Yeah, um, so weird. So much, I don't want to. But yeah. And and for me, um, I, at this point in my life, like after a kid, um, starting a business, I'm realizing how important self-care is. And just taking that time will help me emotionally and mentally and physically do better work, be a better mom, be a better wife. Um, so once I was able to come to terms with that and realize how important that was, um, just building in time, just little time slots throughout the day for self-care. And of course, before this crazy pandemic, for me, that was going to a workout class, um, meeting, meeting my friends for, for a drink outside, or just going on a walk um, outdoors. 
And now being locked at home, um, it's a little bit different. So now self-care, it's just um, making myself a cocktail in the evenings while, while we're winding down. Yeah. Watching a TV show in bed, things like that. Totally. It's it's the simple things. It's really mm-hmm. the, last night I ate half a pint of ice cream <clears throat> and fell asleep in front of the TV. And yeah. that was amazing. That so that you- just <laughs> felt great. <laughs> so I, I definitely think I, I feel you. I know that's going to resonate with a bunch of folks. We're very limited on like what we can do. But mm-hmm. I think because of those limitations, um, we are putting a lot more energy in, in making um decisions around caring for ourselves uh so i I hope that that reaches folks and like do the little things when when did you start if if yet if you've started to feel like gina out outside of being a mom having such a young child do you feel like you're there yet And, and if so what was that point you're like oh i think i'm maybe not getting back to myself but getting to a version of myself that's not tethered to motherhood Yeah, um, I know it's different for everyone, but for me, it really did take probably um, like nine months, almost a year. Um, You know, in the beginning when it was maternity leave, when he was first born, it was just me and him like in our bed constantly. I was nursing, Chris tried to help, but there's only so much he could do. Um, So I felt like my whole world was just this little crying nugget. And I was so immersed in that. And then, of course, this is our first child. So everything was so terrifying in the beginning. There was a lot of late nights Googling things, um, calling the doctor on call, like, is this normal? Is this all right? So I feel like for me, at least, the the initial few months was just in in panic mode, like, go, go, go. Let's keep this thing alive. Um, how, How do I become a mom? So I was so wrapped up in just being a mom trying to figure out, learning, learning um, how to grow with miles, that after a year was when I felt like I came back to my own. And a lot of it had to do with um, focusing more on work, you know, focusing more on talking to, to partners, to, to coworkers, getting outside of my own headspace and just being a mom. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think work was that, that same path for me to kind of Mm -hmm. pull out of being Sergeant's mom. And with this, (laughs) I hate to like lead everything with with this pandemic, but (laughs) with the state of the world, it's inescapable. Um, With the way in which we we are living our lives now, um, now I've realized I have to really put thought and care and consideration into who I am outside of my work, which is especially hard when your work is such a part of you feel like your work is such a part of who you are. Have you thought about like, who is Gina outside of being a CEO and outside of being a mother and a wife? Like, where do you feel like you are at your core? Oh, that is definitely a work in progress. I'm not there yet. Um, <laughs> okay. Everything right now is like, I feel like I either have work brain or, or mom brain. Um, I'm trying to work on my wife's brain at least. <laughs> I feel like that will that just working through those skills and, and carving out time to to be a wife and to be Gina and to be a friend. Um, that's what I'm really trying to work on right now. Yes. Listen, Gina, I'm out here manifesting my wife energy. <laughs> okay. <so laughs> I, 
Yes, I'm looking to be a wife in 2021, like come back from from this hellish year with a few wins. So I I love to hear it. Love to hear it so much. Um, What is it almost doesn't feel fair, but I'm still going to ask Mm -hmm. what is next for you for circumference? Um, What do you see this next year and in the immediate future looking like? Yeah. our, our really exciting thing that we did this year for circumference was our new waste knot initiative. And um, we're so proud of it. It's so innovative. Um, we, we partnered with another industry to take their waste products and, and use it for our products and then um, give back our waste to them. So it's like the circular approach um, to, to skincare that hasn't been done before. So we're really hoping to push forward and expand on that. Um, we just launched our our moisturizer, and we we partnered with a winery to to take their grape leaves, um, which would be waste. We extracted it for all the pure goodness, um, all the antioxidants, all the vitamins, all of that. We used it for our moisturizer, and then we gave the compost back to them to to put back into their land for next year's uh, grapes. So um, that's something really new in this industry, and we're just trying to push forward with that. Um, it's so important to, to all industries involved that we really hope that moving forward, this becomes the standard. And we're looking at new products, new industry partners, um, just new things coming up in 2021. I love that. That is so smart. It is and so simple. <laughs> you know, it's so smart yeah, and so simple. Of it. Yeah, it is very simple. I, I I love that so much. And I'm just gonna this is this is not a paid ad, everyone. But mm-hmm. I legitimately use the circumference moisturizer and I'm glad to have you on the phone to tell you that it is the best moisturizer I have ever used. <laughs> it is and I get a lot of free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot, but I love it so much, even as a person that has like super oily skin, it's Mm -hmm. like in a tub, it's a little bit thicker, but the feel of the product and the way that the product settles on my skin is incredible. I even use it on my son, um, which I'm thinking of like, he probably doesn't deserve it, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) his skin is already perfect. Um, But yes, so thank you because this is absolutely a great product. I love to see, um, especially women of color, entering the the world of beauty and making such an impact and doing it in a way that is um, thoughtful and not just good for you, but also good for the environment. So I'm excited to see what's next for Circumference. Oh, I appreciate your kind words. Um, yeah, we're just so excited to, to share with the world what's next. Yes. Well, listen, we've got um, up next, we have a question from our Cool Moms community. I'd love for you to stick around and uh, drop some gems. So this week on Ask a Cool Mom, we have Nichelle, 34, from Chicago, and she works as an associate brand director for a large corporation, but she also has a side business. Nichelle writes, I'm I currently have a product line of accessories for natural hair care, but with some market insights from my job, I'm seeing that there's an opportunity in expanding my demographic. What advice would you have for someone who has established a business, but the market says to pivot? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think about that for a minute. Oh yeah. Take it, take your time. Totally. 
Um, that's a definitely relevant question for, for anyone who's, who's starting a new brand, a new business. And we've encountered that before as well. So I think, you know, all that market data, it's so important. It's so relevant. Um, but, but as I mentioned with branding, I think it's really important to stay true to who you are. If that opening in the market, if, if you see an opportunity and it fits in with your the initial spirit of your business and your demographic and, and where you first foresaw yourself going, I think it's a great opportunity to, to try to branch out. Um, my only advice would be to be cautious and make sure you're not doing it just because you see the opening. Because I do, I do feel like there will be long-term effects. Um, it might change the direction of your messaging. It might change your branding. Um, just making sure you, you really know what your business is at the core and, and staying true to that so you're not swayed and and moving away from that just because there's an opportunity on the market. I think that's fantastic advice. And I think that's actually really applicable as I'm listening to you to anything, you know, mm -hmm. like when you know who you are at the core, whether that's you as a person or as your business, then, you know, you won't deviate from that and money nor opportunities will sway you if you know it's not in alignment with your core values. So thank you, Gina, great advice. So appreciate your time and energy, especially considering I only know a small bit of all the things you have going on. So I know you got a busy day. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time uh, to share your story with Cool Moms. Until next time. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs>